Chapter 16. Totally Nuts. Commences with a quote by Mahatma Gandhi. Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's need, but not every man's greed. Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar was the kingpin of a cartel that controlled up to 80% of the world's cocaine sales. He was killed in a rooftop shootout with drug enforcement officers in 1993. Escobar is credited with the famous quip where he described the role of a drug lord as simple. You bribe someone here, you bribe someone there, and you pay a friendly banker to help you bring the money back. His brother, Roberto, was one of the cartel's accountants and author of the book Escobar, The Untold Story of the World's Most Powerful Criminal. In it, he reveals, Pablo was earning so much that each year we'd write off 10% of the money because rats would eat it in storage or it would be damaged by water or lost. Some sources claim that Escobar's annual tithe for the rats was more than a billion dollars. If we learn nothing else from Escobar's experience, we should at least make sure that our cash reserves are in waterproof, loss-proof, rat-proof storage containers. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and rats destroy. Speaking of rodents, there is one rat, or is he a squirrel, who has taught me some valuable lessons about storing assets. The Ice Age movies are long-standing favourites in our home. Every kid seems to have their own hero in the films, and in an effort to be a kid at heart, I've chosen Scrat. He's a lovable, hopeless, irrational, squirrel rat character with an insatiable appetite for acorns. Scrat will cross deserts, traverse glaciers, fall off cliffs, and even shoot off into outer space in an effort to acquire just one more acorn. Apart from being one of Ice Age's most beloved characters, Scrat also stars in a few of his own mini-movies. I don't know whether the one titled Gone Nutty, Scrat's Missing Adventure, was ever meant to feature in the movie itself, but I am so grateful that the guys decided to include it in the extras on the DVD. It's a pearler. I'm not aware if there was meant to be any hidden message in the Gone Nutty sequence, but anyone who has been infected with affluenza can see one, as clear as crystal. If you haven't seen Gone Nutty, then it's a bit hard to describe it on paper, but I'll give it a shot. The story begins with Scrat bounding towards a tall, dead tree stump. He has the reward for a hard day's work in his hand, an acorn. He clambers up the tree with it, and as he crawls over the lip, you can see a veritable sea of acorns neatly packed into the hollow tree. Scrat runs across the surface of the acorn ocean to the very centre, where one spot is left for the final acorn, the piece de resistance of his efforts. Scrat carefully wedges the acorn into its assigned place and, very satisfied, walks away. Boink! The acorn pops up out of its spot. Scrat walks back and with a little more effort he repositions it and walks away again. Boink! Again he returns to the acorn and with even more determination and a mild dose of anger, he slams the acorn into place and jumps up and down on it to ensure that this time it won't pop out. It's almost in. One final slam and... Crack! Oh. The whole sea of nuts starts to revolve like a massive acorn whirlpool and Scrat is sucked helplessly into its vortex. 
The load of nuts pours down through the hollow tree and bursts out through a hole near the base. Scrat finds himself pummeled from all sides as he tumbles down the icy slopes in what is now an acorn avalanche. But he still somehow has the keenness of mind as he tumbles to try to collect as many nuts as he can. The main avalanche catches up with him and the whole seething mass pours out over a cliff into an abyss. On opening his eyes, Scrat sees that he is in freefall, right beside an acorn. What joy! The background music changes melodiously to Tchaikovsky's Sleeping Beauty waltz as he reaches for the acorn, only to see another one near his other hand, which he reaches for instead. On grasping it with absolute passion and adoration, Scrat starts to collect the other acorns until he has enough to make a bed, on which he has a rest, a skyboard on which he surfs, and when he has collected all of the nuts, a giant ball, atop of which he sits contentedly. Of course, he has completely forgotten that he is actually free-falling to his death, and when that dawns on him, he does all he can to avoid the inevitable. But it's too late. Smash! Scrat crashes into the ice, leaving one of those perfectly body-shaped cartoon silhouette holes in the surface as all the acorns spread out around him. Except one. The final acorn, presumably the very same one that had caused all the issues back in the tree stump, is seen way above him. It's falling at atmospheric re-entry speed as it fires towards Scrat's newly conscious body below. He looks upwards, sees the nut, and whammo! The acorn hits Scrat right between the eyes, and if you hadn't been raised on the eternal life miracles of Roadrunner cartoons, you would think he was dead. Scrat drags himself out of his icy silhouette, only to find that the earth-cracking impact of the final acorn was the very catalyst needed to start, wait for it, continental drift. The viewer is zoomed back for a global view of the Earth as each of the continents can be seen drifting apart to form what we now recognise as our globe. Sadly for Scrat, all the acorns that surrounded him are taken away on the continents as they drift apart, and he is left with nothing on a very tiny cliff-sided island in the middle of the Atlantic. He's depressed. But then he remembers that the final acorn that dealt him such a severe frontal blow is actually still in the bottom of his impact hole. He reaches in and, holding it high above his head, does a victory dance around his dinner plate-sized island. What a relief to still have at least one acorn. It brings him hope, comfort and, most importantly, food. The camera zooms in on Scrat as he caresses his beloved nut. As he gently strokes the prize with his eyes closed dreamily, we see that the entire nut is now actually just blackened ash, and it disintegrates to powder. Scrat opens his eyes, and realising his crushing loss, sadly puts the cap of the acorn on his head, and looks tearfully into the camera. Such is life. So what's the affluenza message? Let's see what we can learn from our little acornaholic. Scene 1. Scrat struggles up with the last nut. Scrat made a huge effort to acquire every nut. Scene 2. View of the acorn ocean. I think Jesus might have known a few scrats in his day. Luke 12, verses 13 to 21, tells the parable of the rich fool, and it's not pretty. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, 
Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. How many families have you seen torn apart by the division of assets in a will? Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then Jesus said to them, Watch out. I love the way the NIV makes it sound like the crowd is about to be squashed by an out-of-control bus. It's like Jesus has just seen a raging bull running at them and he yells, Watch out! Run for your lives! He's giving a serious warning here. Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Again, Jesus is using strong words to warn people about the deceptive powers of greed. I don't think I've ever met a person who considers themselves to be greedy. We might sometimes label ourselves selfish or self-centred, but not greedy. It's such an ugly word. However, when I look at my personal consumption levels of food, fuels, energy, consumer goods and so on, and my nation's per capita consumption levels compared to other nations, it's hard to find a more accurate word than greedy. If my lifestyle is so highly consumptive that the planet would be destroyed if the whole of Earth's population were to live likewise, then I'm eating more than my fair share of the pie. And that's greedy. Mahatma Gandhi once told his secretary, Earth provides enough to satisfy every man's need, but not every man's greed. I certainly need to watch out and be on my guard against all kinds of greed. For Scrat, his personal identity is centred on his nut hoard. He is his nuts. I know they're worn out sayings, but Scrat still hasn't learned that the best things in life aren't things, and that he who dies with the most toys still dies. Jesus continued in Luke 12. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. What does this word rich mean? How much would you need to give God for it to be called rich towards God? Should it be a percentage of your income? 10%? Is paying a tithe being rich towards God? Or should it be 20% or 90%? Can richness towards God even be measured? Scene 3. Scrat struggling to add the last nut. Today's affluent societies seem to have been led up to a high place and shown all the riches and comforts of the world. And we've responded like little children. I want it, I want it, I want it. Scrat had stored up more than enough nuts to last a lifetime, let alone the one winter's supply that he needed. But he was addicted to acquisitions. Just one more. Scrat's actions remind me of the answer given by a member of the wealthy Rockefeller family when asked, how much is enough? They answered, just a little bit more. Beware, as we're told in Proverbs 25 verse 16, if you find honey, eat just enough. 
too much of it, and you will vomit. Christ's statement in Matthew 6, 19 and 21 was not just a suggestion. It was a command. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't start with, oh, I think it would be best if you don't, or things might go better if you try not to. He said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And why not? Because where your treasure is, your heart is. If your treasure's on earth, then so is your heart. Not good. Yet this is so countercultural. More than any other time in earth's history, we are bombarded with messages telling us to lay up as much treasure for ourselves, money, assets, experiences, fame, stuff, as we can. Right now, right here, on earth. Jesus simply says, don't do it. He knows that treasures on earth are not only fleeting, but they also hijack our minds and our time to the exclusion of eternal interests. Not only does he tell us not to store up treasure, but he has some serious words for those of us who already have treasure, talents and comforts. Jesus' words are found in a section of the beautiful Sermon on the Mount, but it's a section that we very rarely hear quoted in affluent congregations. In fact, even Matthew didn't record these words in his extensive version of the sermon. Was that because he had tax collector on his resume? Let's have a look. Luke 6, verses 24 to 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Aren't riches, food, entertainment and status four of the most commonly strived for and often acquired benefits of our affluent society? Scene 4. Scrat in the Acorn Landslide Scrat is in an asset avalanche. The very moment that he thought he finally had it all, that he had it made, that his barn was full, the satisfaction disappeared, and Scrat's world fell apart. It's a bit like a man who spends his life climbing the corporate ladder, and when he finally claws his way to the top and takes in the view, he realises that his ladder's leaning against the wrong wall. Scrat couldn't see that his carefully constructed success ladder was leaning against a wall that was about to collapse. The result? A wasted life. Maybe even a wasted eternity. Scene 5. Scrat in freefall. He's still desperately clutching for nuts. Job 20 verse 20 says, Surely he will have no respite from his craving. He cannot save himself by his treasure. Don't miss what's happening here. Scrat can't see that he's about to die because he is so focused on his nut treasure. How focused am I on my new or desired car, house, investment, business, career or toy? Is it taking my attention away from the things that really matter? Scene 6. Scrat living the good life. In the middle of imminent destruction, as he is hurtling towards the earth, Scrat is relaxing, sky surfing and rebuilding his nutty world. He reminds me of God's warning to Christians, to me, in Revelation 3.17. 
You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Scene 7. Scrat on the bottom of his free-falling world of nuts. The Bible nails this scene perfectly. Job 20 verse 22. In the midst of his plenty, distress will overtake him. The full force of misery will come upon him. The story is told of a conversation between a reporter and the executor of John D. Rockefeller's vast estate on the famed industrialist's death in 1937. The reporter asked, How much money did Rockefeller leave behind when he died? To which the executor simply replied, All of it. I don't know where Rockefeller stood with God, but it begs the question, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? No matter how rich you are, you can't afford to be spiritually bankrupt. Scene 8. The burning acorn hurtling down at Scrat. This reminds me of the prophet Daniel's rock, carved without hands that will soon destroy everything that anyone has ever acquired. Scene 9. Ice Age Continental Drift. All that Scrat holds dear is being taken away by a force he can't control. And scene 10, acorn ashes, my favourite part. As Melinda's father, Clive, often reminds us, regardless of how much we might value our homes, cars, super gig computers, new leather lounges, fine new clothes, or even our calfskin gold leaf embossed Bibles, they're all gonna burn. When Jesus comes again, it will all be worth zip diddly squat. Truly realising that it is all going to burn is actually one of the most liberating discoveries for a Christian who has been bitten by materialism. It allows us to fix our minds on another time, a better day in a future world. All that we work for, sweat over and gain on this earth is nothing more than early morning mist. When the sun comes out, it's all going to burn up. When we truly understand this, believe it and absorb it into our innermost heart, we can be free from materialism. Scene 11. Scrat in the hat. Scrat's teary-eyed, acorn-capped final portrait is pitifully sad. My sister-in-law's great-grandfather lived in Romania in the years leading up to the political instability of the late 1980s and early 1990s. He didn't trust the banks, so he stored all his money as cash in an old overcoat hanging in the attic. In 1989, communism fell in Romania and the currency rocketed into hyperinflation. Before he could reassess his savings method, his entire life savings devalued to the point where they were only enough to buy a hat. And so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man.